Hey everyone, this is Chad, and today on the Mission Daily, we have two, or maybe three, special announcements. The first one, the Mission Daily was selected by Apple as one of the best of 2018. So the Mission Daily was the one of the best podcasts as selected by Apple for 2018. Wow, that's so, so awesome. We could not have done it without you, the amazing listeners. You hear Ian in the background, you hear Steph. You don't hear Toasty because, oh, there he is. There you go. Good boy. That's a good pup. And that's the first announcement. Second announcement, one of our other podcasts, actually our first one, The Story, was also selected by Apple as the best of 2018. That is so exciting. Again, we couldn't do it without you, the listener. We're grateful for each and every one of you. And to celebrate this, it brings us to our third announcement. We are going to be playing all throughout the holiday season on the Mission Daily, the best episodes from The Story. That's right. We've been through four incredible seasons of the story. And if you haven't heard it, you're in for a treat. For those of you who don't know, the story is a historical fiction podcast where we tell the unknown backstory of people who changed the world. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. And a big shout out to our amazing sponsor, Jamp. Thank you for making this happen. And as always, thank you, the listener, for enjoying it. This is the story about a man who tried to get the largest business in his industry to buy half of his business. Lucky for him, they laughed him out of the room. Today's story is called David and Goliath. Today's episode of the Mission Daily is brought to you by Jamf Now, the number one device management solution for all your company's Apple devices. To learn more about how Jamf Now can help you secure your Macs, iPads, or iPhones, Head to jamf.com slash mission daily to set up your first three devices for free. That's jamf.com slash mission daily or click on the link in the show notes. In the alliance we're proposing, said David, we would be your online division while you operate the retail side. You would own 49% of our company and we would operate under your name. The CEO of Goliath laughed. How many customers do you even have? 300,000, said David proudly. The CEO laughed again. That's nothing. Do you realize that we have 7,700 stores worldwide? David nodded and hoped that the CEO of Goliath couldn't see the sweat beating on his brow. This deal had to work. David's company was in trouble. It was three years old and still hadn't turned a profit. He knew he was onto a sound idea, but it was just ahead of its time. He needed a partner and an investor with deep pockets and the same long-term vision. Before David could say another word, the CEO of Goliath stood up, which signaled the end of the meeting. To add insult to the injury, the CEO attacked David and his business model. Don't you realize that all the dot-coms are crumbling? This digital or web thing, whatever you call it, it's not going to take off. Your business finished, and you just don't know it yet. You might need us, but we don't need you. Thanks for your time. On the flight home, he started to think up a new business plan. David knew what the future was going to be, but it was happening more slowly than he thought it would. He had been thinking and working at these problems for years. In a way, he'd been working on them his whole life. Back when other fresh high school graduates were wasting their summers playing video games, David was pounding the streets selling vacuum cleaners door to door. He loved that job. He loved it so much, in fact, that he deferred his freshman year at college 
to keep selling, and he earned enough to pay for all of his tuition for an entire year. After graduating, David boarded a plane bound for Swaziland as a Peace Corps volunteer to teach high school math. He returned home two years later and jumped right into grad school at Stanford. That experience introduced him to entrepreneurship, which led him to join a startup. There, he learned about business and eventually decided to start his own. Later, David would reflect on that decision to leave a secure path and enter an arena dominated by Goliaths and say that once you've hitchhiked across Africa with 10 bucks in your pocket, starting a business doesn't seem to be too intimidating. David and two buddies went on to launch Pure Software. Their first product was a program which identified bugs in Unix software. The business took off, even though none of them really knew how to lead a company. Their strength was in developing excellent products, and revenues doubled every year for four straight years. Their timing, their product, everything. It was on point. They took Pure Software public in one of the most successful IPOs of 1995. Two years later, the company was acquired for $750 million, and David walked away a multimillionaire. His next business, the one he was trying to sell half of to Goliath, wasn't going so well. Each day, he commuted to work with one of his employees, and in the car, they would bat around business ideas. David would say, I just want to be the Amazon of something. At that time, Amazon had built a powerful book-selling engine, but it wasn't the Amazon that we think of today. Their model was made up of three simple components. One, it was a high-demand product. Two, it was ordered online. And three, the product was delivered in the mail. For months during his commute, David and his employee would talk back and forth about a slew of possibilities involving that model. One day, on their way to work, David had to make a stop to return a rented movie. When he got back to the car, his buddy suggested, what if we rented movies online? People buy them online. Why don't they rent them? David thought about it and replied, I think tapes are too delicate to survive repeat shipments. But I wonder, um, hmm. A friend of mine was telling me about a new technology. It's, uh, it's for movies and it's called uh, DV, um, DVDs. Uh, it's like movies on CD or something. His friend gave it some thought. I haven't heard of DVDs. Really think it's going to catch on? Yeah, I mean, uh, CDs did, so maybe this will, said David. We could always test mailing a CD and just see what happens. When David arrived at the office that day, he found a blue greeting card envelope. He grabbed a CD and dropped it in. Next, he mailed it to his house and sat back, waiting to see what happened. If the experiment didn't work, neither would their business. While David waited, he couldn't remember ever being so excited to get something in the mail. Finally, the day came, the mailman arrived, and David ran to the mailbox. In it was the blue envelope. He held his breath, crossed his fingers, and opened it. The CD was in perfect condition. David laughed with delight, did a silent fist pump, and then called his friend. It worked. People don't know it yet, but DVDs are going to replace VHS, and we are going to mail DVDs online. A new company was born, and David and his friend decided to call it Kibble. Kibble shipped its first DVD in 1998, only one year after the technology had been introduced in the U.S. They changed the movie rental model by not requiring return dates and by not charging any late fees. But it wasn't an instant success. Kibble limped along for three years, waiting for the market to finally accept DVDs. In those days, DVD players were just too expensive, so most consumers held on to the old VHS technology but they were still able to build a base of 300,000 customers who loved Kibble. In those days, dot-coms didn't need profitability to go public. They needed growth 
and some promise of a future business model. David felt that an IPO would give them enough cash to survive. So the team started working on getting an IPO. But then the internet bubble popped. Investment funds dried up. And in 2000, David found himself at Goliath's office begging for them to invest and partner with Kibble. The Goliath was Blockbuster, who in those days owned most of the movie rental industry. They laughed at David's pitch, at Kibble, and sent them on their way. Despite that humiliation, David knew they were onto something big. He could sense where the market was headed. Although Kibble faced rough times, and they did have to lay off one-third of their workforce, they survived. Then, Kibble caught a break. Because early adopters had paid enormous sums up front for early DVD players, the market was finally heating up. Now there were new, lower-priced DVD players, and consumers started snatching them up. Luckily, David believed in his vision of the future so much that he had the foresight to build relationships with all the DVD manufacturers. Along the way, he had managed to secure a deal to slip a free trial for Kibble into many of the new DVD players. Soon, DVDs and DVD players were everywhere, and Kibble was earning serious revenue. Two years after their meeting with Blockbuster, Kibble went public. Well, they didn't actually go public under the name Kibble. They realized it was a poor name, and all their friends kept asking what kind of dog food they were going to sell next. So they laughed it off and changed their name to something you might recognize. Netflix. David, in this story, of course, is Reed Hastings. His friend, who was there from the beginning, is his co-founder, Mark Randolph. Reed was a voracious learner who never lost his vision along the way. He had studied Moore's Law, and he knew that internet speeds and technology would eventually improve and that streaming would eventually become the preferred viewing experience. Reed said early on that movies over the internet are coming, and at some point, it will become big business. We want to be ready when video on demand finally happens. That's why the company is called Netflix, not DVD by mail. In 2007, 10 years after starting, Netflix launched its streaming service and developed a deal with the cable network stars to secure their most popular movies. Consumers scratched their head at that. Why would anyone want to watch a movie on a computer? Yet Reed knew his long-term vision was on the money. In 2012, Netflix began producing original content. Again, critics scoffed at the notion, but they quickly backpedaled when Netflix contracted big Hollywood names and started winning awards. And a fun side note, shortly after Netflix went public, Blockbuster saw their success. They did what most Goliaths do in that situation when they get pummeled by a David. They try to copy and knock off the product. At that point in time, Blockbuster just posted its first loss of $1.6 billion which started a decade of decline. Blockbuster tried to compete head-to-head against Netflix for years, but they couldn't catch up. In 2010, Blockbuster's stock was delisted from the New York Stock Exchange for trading too low. Blockbuster closed its last store in 2013, and their passing on investing and purchasing half of Netflix is now considered one of the most epic fails in business history. Years later, Reed would reflect on all of it and say, That being an entrepreneur is about patience and persistence, not the quick buck, and everything great is hard. It takes a long time. In Netflix's early days, back when it was kibble, it was clearly a David versus Goliath situation. Instead of competing directly with Goliath, they tried to collaborate. When Goliath tried to kill them, they stayed focused, and again, they ignored the competition. Reed could have made the misstep of opening stores and trying to become more like Goliath in order to beat them. But instead, 
Reed kept playing 3D chess and started to prepare for streaming and original content. Now, Reed and Netflix are playing 4D chess. They tout 125 million subscribers worldwide. So if you're David trying to partner with Goliath, don't worry. Goliath might need you far more than you need them. If you've seen the future and know what will happen, at a certain point, stop trying to convince others on what will happen and just build it. That's his story. What's yours going to be? Hey, this is Ian from The Mission. I talk to Fortune 500 CIOs and IT visionaries about how much effort and energy they put into securing their devices. But they have teams of hundreds of IT professionals, an advantage that the average business doesn't have. Until now. Jamf Now makes it easy to set up, manage, and protect your company's Apple devices. As your business grows, so does your digital inventory, making it harder to manage everyone's Apple devices. This is especially true if you have remote employees, like we do at The Mission. With Jamf Now, you can check your digital inventory, distribute Wi-Fi and email settings, deploy apps, protect company data, or even lock and wipe a device as needed from anywhere. And all of this with no IT experience needed. The Mission Daily listeners can start securing their businesses today by setting up their first three devices for free forever. Add more starting at just $2 a month per device. Create your free account today at jamf.com slash mission daily. That's J-A-M-F dot com slash mission daily. We love Jamf and you will too. Hey listeners, thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps spread the word and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time.